Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on a Sunday afternoon, or I suppose evening at this point, as the Colorado Rockies wrap up a pretty fun and exciting and decisive series win. Three games out of four on the road in Arizona over the Diamondbacks, and all of that would be really cool, but... You know, there's still 10 games under 500. So, uh, as I talked about yesterday, the, the hole that they've put themselves in makes a lot of this stuff, unfortunately, very difficult to celebrate in the moment. Obviously, it was a nice win today. It was a really good win uh, for the club, a really good series in Arizona. Nice to see, as I talked about a little bit yesterday. Uh, Herman Marquez, you know, you're, you're really looking for him uh, to bounce back because. You know, even if you are looking past this season already, and I'm I'm in between on that, but even if you are, Marquez needs to be a part of this team's future, or I guess not. I, I always assumed that they would kind of figure out an even longer term extension, but if it would be so weird if he's past his prime at 28, and I don't think that he is. We still haven't seen that dominant, dominant version of Marquez yet, but today... Seven innings pitched, only two earned runs, three hits, two walks, four strikeouts. So if that's seven strikeouts, you're looking at that old version of Marquez, right? So he's close. We've seen, and and then it's not just that, but you've got to roll three or four of those types of starts in a row. And then beyond that, we were all hoping that this was the kind of year he was going to take that next step to where he might get 10 of those types of starts in a row. And now he's just struggling to get any of them, right? To, to do this with any kind of consistency. That said, he did it. Another seven inning, two earned run performance out of Marquez. Uh, obviously, again, like the team, right? He's a, he's a microcosm of the team. Great outing, great performance. ERA on the season, 566. <laughs> so, <laughs> better. He did he did better. But the overall numbers, because they've been so rough early on, it's gonna take a while for them to recover. And and in, it's possible he could get his ERA on the season down to even maybe under four. You know, and he's he's been kind of a four ten guy for his career. Um but boy, it's it's been a rough one for the for the club. But good to see him get out there and, and do the thing, only giving up three hits. Uh, having a nice performance. I thought he dotted the ball pretty well with, it, you know, particularly I thought the fastball command was pretty solid. But other than that, you, you know, we're still looking for the big wipeout stuff from him. The swings and misses with regularity. The the command where he's got guys all off kilter. And we're seeing only hints of it. And, uh, you know, he's still giving up. It feels like a home run a game. I'd have to go back and look at exactly what the numbers are there. Gives up one to Cattell Marte today. It's the mistake pitches. It's those individual moments. But in a win, let's not harp on that too much, right? Like, (laughs) let's take our wins where we can get them, as it were. Uh, So you got a nice day. Obviously, the big hit on the other side coming from Connor Joe uh, puts the team on top there in the seventh inning with the big hit coming up. 
with that one, that was really cool to see because Joe has kind of tapered off in, in certain respects since a pretty hot start, both in terms of all the, obviously, at like a couple, like the 20-plus game on base percentage. Well, on base, technically, that's correct. On base streak <laughs> with the percentages. Uh, and he even hit a few big home runs early on. But I've mentioned before about how the power has really kind of gone from his game. He's turned into very much a singles and walks guy, which is fine, uh, especially when... You know, he can play multiple positions decently well. They're not necessarily premium defensive positions, at least historically speaking. You know, you think of up-the-middle positions as the ones where you really want your great defenders. Joe's decent in left and right and at first, but he's not fantastic in any of those spots. But he does, as we all know, still continue to put together a really, really good consistent at-bat from game to game. And so it's great to see when he comes up with these big hits. I think it's... You know, unlikely, probably, ultimately, that he's ever going to reach much more than that. He's always probably going to be a very, very good bit player, a a role player that any team would love to have. Uh, I think there were times where there were some folks thinking, hey, maybe he's going to be a 20-plus home run guy, or maybe he's he's a part of the next court. And, hey, I was one of those people at times. You've got to allow for those possibilities. You never know who's going to develop into that guy who really can be a part of your core that you weren't necessarily expecting before. Uh, you know, Trevor Story, as, as I've mentioned several times, I think, when he was a prospect, future star wasn't really what people were talking about. Role player, bit play, he's going to make it to the big leagues. The guy's so athletic, he was definitely going to be a big leaguer. But I remember comparing him and saying, I think he's going to be better than Clint Barmas. And some people being like, oh, man, that's kind of a reach for, for this guy. You know what I mean? And then Trevor Story became Trevor Story. So you have to allow for those types of possibilities. And Joe is an interesting case because, as we all know, with the cancer and with the time off and the bouncing around in the minor leagues and not really becoming a full-time major league player until like the age of 28, and that even that's like during a pandemic season, right? So he's had a weird schedule. And it's not the same as a 22, 23-year-old highly touted prospect or, or even medium touted prospect the way Trevor Story was. But, you know, Joe's a contributor is the point. And I think he's going to continue to be a very good one for this team. Uh, even if I don't think, you know, you, you should expect him in the future to be one of those guys who's going to hit you. 20 to 30 home runs in a season if he can keep putting together at bats like the the way he takes at bats there's a spot for him on the squad and it was really cool to see him come through today you did get another hit but no more home runs from chris bryant i guess he's cooled off told me this guy couldn't hit any home runs again i just published my article on milehighsports.com about that i hope you'll go and check out uh the chris bryant conversation because i find that to be absolutely interesting you know the guy's never not been good on offense not never not once not ever (laughs) and so it's funny to me that people were really reaching for this narrative that bryant has been disappointing from a production standpoint now has he been disappointing from the standpoint of not being on the field absolutely and i'll tell you nobody's more disappointed about that than chris bryant back issues suck injuries are awful and you you can argue and i went over this a little bit yesterday about should the rockies have known our guys injury prone how much can you know about that 
what is your medical staff and your trainers and and all of those things for sure but putting all of that side uh, aside for just a moment the notion that chris bryant was washed as an offensive player was objectively hilarious <laughs> because come on even in the two games he played uh, and again i wrote about it, it was like he played for the first 15 days and then he missed a month. He played two games in May, and then he missed another month. But during those two games in May, he got a base hit and walked twice. You know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> like he's just a really, really good offensive baseball player. And he's going to be for a long time. The health is a fair question, and, and we'll continue to look at it. But as long as he's on the field... Man, does this guy take a quality professional at bat. And I just love watching him hit. So it was pretty cool to see him go out there again today. Base hit. Walk. Right on. Got a couple of hits out of Charlie Blackman. And you got yourself uh, a base hit out of Ryan McMahon. Kind of setting things up there. Uh, Daza getting on. And uh, a couple of ribbies for Garrett. The big man. Hampson. Coming up with a big one, of course. Uh, for the Rockies late as well. So, you know, all of it happening for them there in the seventh inning with Joe and Hampson coming up with the big hits, putting the team on top, giving the team uh, the the win instead of the split, and I guess pulling them back to 500. Or not, not 500, 10 games under. <laughs> then it feels like 500 for this team, right? 11 is such an uneven number. When it's at 10, you're like, oh, they're even. No, they're, they're, they're 10 under. Um Okay, I want to talk about a couple of things I mentioned yesterday in terms of what's going on with the roster and then preview the homestand before wrapping this one up. And the big thing, of course, as most of you know, is the DFA-ing, the DFA-ing, I'm sticking with it, of Colton Welker. And this is frustrating on a number of levels and sometimes indicative of the the situations that the Rockies get themselves in but also may not be a big deal we're gonna find out right that's why you do these things there's a there's a couple of things here so for those of you that don't know Colton Welker's been in the Rockies system for a while he's a corner infielder who had shown a lot of promise throughout the years I'd mentioned him profiled him a couple of times here at milehighsports.com uh, he even came up at one point during this season and was in the clubhouse and on the roster. And by the way, when that happens, you get a major league paycheck for however long, even if it's one day. And for a lot of these guys, that's a big day because they'll make as much in that day as they will for six months, you know, that, and that's real. But the Rockies have had this back and forth thing with Welker because he's put up really good numbers throughout his early minor league years. But then during his later minor league years, he's continuously been injured. Think David Dahl, right? When he's on the field, very, very good. But the problem is he keeps not being on the field. And he's had these really weird injuries. And just from having been around people talking about him around the team and stuff, I would hear things, I would hear frustration about him not being able to get back out there and play. And I heard similar things about David Dahl. And so 
on the one hand, in a vacuum, even regardless of if Welker never plays a game in the big, another game in the big leagues ever, right? And he played a couple last year for the Rockies and even looked like he was hanging in there okay. Even if he doesn't ever get back to the big leagues, it's it's poor asset management because the Rockies have a lot of guys in their system, a lot. There's organizational filler, there's prospects, there's quadruple A guys, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of minor league ball players. And Welker had legitimate talent and was on the cusp. And if look, if he's not going to make it, he's not going to make it. But the Rockies don't have so much talent in their organization that they can afford to, to let guys like this get away for nothing. And it's frustrating because it seems to have been done out of this shuffle to make space for the starting pitching situation as it currently exists. Um, You know, to get Jose Urania on the roster, essentially. And I don't think that's necessary. You know, and and I'm not going to sit here now and and say they should have gotten rid of this guy or that guy or, you know, because that's, you can play the what if game all day. The fact is, Colton Welker's too quality of a baseball player to just be DFA'd on a random Tuesday afternoon and then picked up a couple of days later by the Giants so you know that it's almost certainly going to come back and bite you in the ass. These are the kinds of things. And and you all, if you've listened to the show regularly, you'll hear me say, no, that's part of a narrative or this thing is part of a narrative. People are, you know, crapping on the team when it's not fair or they're saying this thing about Bill Schmidt when really that's true of Jeff Breidich or whatever. Like, I will be there to bat down the narratives and say this team gets a bad rap when it comes to this, that, or the other. How about today? Daniel Bard was phenomenal in locking down the save today. The guy deserves to be an all-star. He's probably not going to be, and I'm going to keep beating that drum because it's annoying. (laughs) At best, it's annoying that these guys can't get recognition. There are going to be plenty of players in the all-star game from mediocre baseball teams who are just as frustrating and in the grand scheme of things, quote, insignificant to the postseason picture at least this year as the Rockies who are going to have guys in the game because their numbers speak for themselves but when it's the Rockies your numbers don't even get to speak for yourselves and when you're a pitcher that's absurd it's it's beyond absurd Daniel Bard deserves to be in that game and he's not going to be why because people don't care about the Rockies and they don't do they just don't do the research they don't pay attention They don't want to know, and they allow themselves to be lazy about it. And then the people here, let them get away with it because they're mad at the Rockies for not being as good as they should be. And all of that is stuff that I will call out over and over and over again. I say all of that to say this. That's why when I tell you that this Colton Welker thing is bad... You know that I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass or I'm not just trying to get you riled up or this, that, or the other. I'm not playing into the narratives. I'm the guy who will stand up and go, no, 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 no. 
It makes sense that they did this. And look, on some level, I do understand what their thinking is. They're frustrated with the guy who just can't stay on the field. They went through this dance with David Dahl, and ultimately, they were right about that. They took a whole bunch of grief, including the paper of record and various podcasts and articles. I I read them all. I was on some of them. People just saying David Dahl's going to be a future all-star. The Rockies made an absolutely miserable, terrible, inexplicable, inexcusable, irredeemable mistake by letting David Dahl go. And no, they didn't. Right? As it turned out, the Rockies were right about David Dahl. He gets hurt too much, and it just wasn't going to work out. And they may well be right about Colton Walker in the exact same way. He gets hurt too much. He's not going to play enough. It's not going to work out. But if they're wrong, if he comes back inside the division and turns into one of those guys, you know the ones. (laughs) The Gorky's Hernandez. The David Peralta's. The guys who aren't superstars, I don't think Colton Welker's got superstar in him. But, you know, when, when he was here, we talked a lot about we would compare him a little bit to Garrett Ham- or Garrett Hampson, excuse me, Garrett Atkins, older Garrett, for those of you who are of a certain age. You remember the World Series years. Garrett Atkins, you know, wasn't a super duper star. He wasn't a great defender, and he didn't hit a ton of home runs, but he hit a buttload of doubles, and he had a great batting average, and he could take his walks, and he was a really, really good role player. Back to kind of what I was saying about Connor Joe, and I thought that Colton Welker had that in him, and if he becomes that for the Giants, and he's here in the division for the next five or six years, hitting walk-off tweeners for the Giants against the Rockies, it's going to be infuriating. Because there are lots of less talented players around that the Rockies could have benched or sidelined or DFA'd who wouldn't have gotten picked up, who they maybe even could have kept in the system. And it's clear to me that they just have given up on Welker. And again, like the way they did on Dahl. Because I remember there was a similar conversation at the time, right? All they had to pay him was $3 million, which he had just been an all-star. Like $3 million for this guy. Seems like an absolute steal. But as it turned out, that would have been an incredible overpay, right? So they, there is that percentage of chance that the Rockies got this right. The guy can't play, and there was no reason to keep giving him a roster spot. But boy, they better hope they were right about that. Because otherwise, this is just another big, clear mismanagement of the roster by the Colorado Rockies. All right. Let's look forward just a little bit here. The Rockies will return home for a home stand just before the All-Star break. They've got four against San Diego and then three against Pittsburgh uh, before the break. It's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this San Diego situation. As you all know, hopefully, again, your readers over at milehighsports.com. It's totally free, don't you know? Uh, You should swing by there. If you didn't read my article before, you can get yourself all brushed up on how the Rockies have totally owned the Padres this season, last season, the season before. Regardless of how frustrating the Rockies have been and how good at times the Padres have been, for whatever reason, they've had their number, especially at Coors Field. 
And this will be curious, right? Because I think to some degree, at, at some extent, that dam has got to break, right? That can't continue forever. Uh, it certainly will not. But it would be really, really funny to me if this is another season we look back on and the Rockies were the thing that kept the Padres from reaching that next level. They've been playing better, as we saw lately. As I mentioned, though, they didn't get any in L.A. They played well in all three games. They win three out of four against Arizona. They'd beaten Arizona at home in the series before that. They beat L.A. at home in the series before that. So they're playing pretty quality baseball. If they return home here, now they've got Chris Bryant back is he hot is he not yeah it's still he's hit some home runs now but he's still looking for his first Coors Field home run so we've got that to look forward to and I'll, I'll tell you this I think he gets it this homestand I don't even think that's a bold prediction look the guy's just locked in if you didn't think Chris Bryant was a guy capable of hitting four home runs in a week I don't know what to tell you you should watch more Chris Bryant he's very good <laughs> um, Rockies fans going, we've been trying. <laughs> it's not our fault. But I mean, you know, before that. So this should be a pretty quality uh, four-game homestand for the Rockies. I'd love to see them take three just to uh, make it fascinating here uh, with the Padres now at about 10 games over the Rockies, about 10 games under if they could uh, improve their stock just a little bit here. That would be fun and interesting. They'll send Urania back to the mound in game one against Sean Manaya. I worry about uh, Urania moving forward, as I said, but I'm curious to watch it. If he puts together another really good start and if he can get this homestand started in a really nice direction for the Rockies, That'd be a great way toward winning him some favor and maybe winning him a, a potential future job in this organization. Like Jose Urania is out there pitching for a job, and there's nothing more dangerous than a, than someone just playing with house money, right? Just just going out there and and playing for their lives. Like, and it's going to be really fun and interesting to see him do that. Then we'll get Clevenger versus Gomber in game two. Uh, really want to see Gomber get back into form. Chad Cool, who's been uh, a little more down than up lately, will take the ball against Joe Musgrove in Game 3. Musgrove having a very, very nice season for the Padres. And then an afternoon game. You never know what could happen on a hot afternoon at Coors Field. And it'll be Blake Snell, who has an inflated ERA on the season and at Coors Field, going up against Kyle Freeland. I will bet right here, right now, that Kyle Freeland will be the pitcher who handles the elements better. And by the elements, I mean I expect it to be hot and dry, for the ball to be flying out of the ballpark, and for there to be a lot of runs scored in that game, but for free to be able to keep it in check while it gets a little bit away from Blake Snell. Uh, so that's the only one I've really got a specific prediction for you there, and that's the the final game in the series. And then Colorado should be able to take care of business against Pittsburgh heading into the All-Star break. I expect them, though, to still be comfortably, you know, six games under 500 probably at best. Uh, and that would be a very solid improvement. You know, that would be plus four over this, this homestand. And I think that that's very doable. But I'm not quite sure what that really means for you going into the break and, and what you're... You're feeling coming out of that as you go off to Milwaukee and then for a long homestand against the White Sox and Dodgers before you get to trade deadline time. So there it is. That's what's coming up next for your Rockies. That's what's going on uh, in terms of 
my thoughts on their roster construction and the, the way they kind of, in my estimation, almost certainly made a mistake with the Colton Welker thing, though we will find out in the future. That's why they play the games on baseball diamonds and not on paper. Uh, thank you all for listening into this episode. Let me know what you think about the roster moves, what you thought of the road trip, what you're expecting out of the next homestand, any of that stuff. Uh, if you want to hang out and watch the All-Star game somewhere here in Denver, let me know. I'm still thinking about getting some people together to do that, so let me know if you're on board. Hit me up on Twitter, at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel. Check out all the written content at milehighsports.com and of course, all of the other podcasts here on the podcast network at Mile High Sports. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.